everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Life Dump. I'm your host, Leah, and this episode is about books, reading books, talking about books. Um, I'm going to mention a few of my favorite and some that have let me down and basically why I think it's important to read, whether it's nonfiction or fiction. I think each book is like its own world and I think there's this quote or something I know I'm like (laughs) getting right into this there's no introduction I think everyone can maybe not everyone reads books but I think everyone can agree that reading is sort of beneficial it's something other than looking at a screen all day but you sort of get the same effect so you're not like completely um embalmed in like a youtube video or like a movie and which is fine but um you sort of get that additional visual effect that you can create by yourself and that's that's why i like i have like certain rules (laughs) with a story if there's a movie and a book i will watch the movie if it's very it tells a very visual story so for example if if a story is about art and there's a book on it i'd rather watch the movie because i can really visualize it the way it wanted to be visualized whereas like if i read the book then it's not maybe i don't get what the author was trying to say and that happens a lot i feel like whenever i read i just feel like i'm not always getting the story or the story that the author was intending to give away and then I get scared like I have to search for like spark notes explain chapter 11 I did that a lot with uh when I read the bell jar by Sylvia Plath I there were so many things it's not that it was hard uh to read it was really beautiful and honestly I think I gave it like a four out of five um because I think uh there were a lot of um racist uh remarks in it I was like okay and that's why I didn't give it a five but When I was reading that, there were some things where I didn't understand and I feel like if it were a visual story, if it was a movie, then I feel like it would be more straight to the point. But then, yeah, someone could tell me, yeah, but that's the point of a book. It's your own world and you can create whatever it is. And sure, I get that. And that's also one of the reasons I say like reading a book is so nice because, yeah, you can really imagine it to its fullest and it's so subjective and it, it just feels more personal. Like a movie, everyone who watches it is going to watch the same thing. But like reading a book is your entire mind just focusing on this storyline and you're imagining it the entire way through. And this can be for nonfiction and fiction. And I actually have like in front of me, you guys can't see this, but I have in front of me like the rec- all the recent books I've read. And I wanted to talk about a few nonfiction ones, like one that was really, really good and one that really let me down. I wrote a review on it, actually, on Goodreads, and I was like, I really wanted to like this book because of the cover and the, the title. is It's called The Age of Absurdity. It's by Michael Foley, and it's very contemporary, and um, it talks about modern life, and it talks about um, not, not necessarily capitalism, but it talks about more Western societies and how we work, we get into relationships and how it's just absurd the way we do it nowadays. He says that he makes good remarks and good statements about society, whatever, we live in a society. It just, other times it just feels like he's just stating his opinion and he doesn't allow room for another perspective. Like it's either I like it, it's good, or I hate it and it's bad. He does that a lot 
in the book and that's one of the reason that one of the reasons that it ruined it for me so this nonfiction like really let me down and i was like so bummed because i really thought it was a cool uh concept of yeah the age of absurdity the age of modern life and how absurd we are but it was ruined by like these personal statements and opinions like rap is bad i don't like rap rap is terrible like he didn't want to go the extra step and see maybe there is good things in rap which there obviously are it just felt like an old white man complaining and i was like over it so i gave it like two stars or something but yeah and another nonfiction, which is like way way more popular um a lot of people have read sapiens by yuval noah harari harari but i read his book sapiens and it's a big boy and I loved every single page. It was never boring. Boring. It was such a page turner, even though it was nonfiction. I, I hear a lot of people go like, oh, nonfiction isn't my thing. It's just boring. Like, I, I get that. But this book was truly life-changing because he just talks about our, our evolution, um, our first, this, the first civilizations, cultural differences, cultural indifferences. We also get to the point of modern life and even goes past that. He goes, he starts talking about f the future and uh, the implementation of robots and how AI can transform the world we know today. And I just thought it was so wonderful that he was like focusing on the past, the present and transcending into this life that we don't know we don't know what's gonna happen and he was and he really made this narrative and it it reads like a like a fiction it reads like a, just a novel and um i just found it really nice how he phrases things he kept his opinions very neutral which i really really enjoyed unlike michael foley who was like oh i hate this i hate that and sure no uh, yuval is like an actual historian so him being neutral in his statements helped so much and like actually understanding what he said for what it was and not what he thought about it and i feel like if you're gonna write a book and talk about life and society you have to show it as it is and not show it from your perspective unless you're saying this is my perspective on it then it's like oh okay but if you're gonna if your perspective is so um hard-headed and stubborn then it's like i don't want to read that and that's what happened with Foley, but Sapiens, I gave it like a five out of five. It's, it was amazing. Yeah, so I haven't even told you guys why I actually wanted to make this episode. And honestly, it's because reading, it's gonna sound so corny, I'm so sorry, but reading really changed my whole worldview, my whole perspective on things, both fictional books, non-fictional books. And I was really like, no, I don't like fiction in the beginning. I was more of like reading, for knowledge and reading about things that have happened and theories and all of that but honestly you can get the same amount of knowledge from a fictional book because you you sort of see yourself and all the characters you you emulate what they're doing and what has happened to them and, and you compare yourself to how you would react and what they learned these fictional books are the epitome of self-help because it it presents itself as a story, so it's entertaining, but it also helps you in the long run. And that's what I love so much about specifically fictional books. Non-fictional, of course, they're amazing too. You learn so much, but non-fictional just can give you the same amount of knowledge. Just it's, it's just presented as a story. The book I'm reading currently actually is like, uh, mixes those things together. It's a story, 
but it's nonfiction. It teaches you so much about the brain and neurological disorders, and I love it. Most Maybe if you've been in a bookstore recently, you've seen this on a shelf. It's called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat by Oliver Sacks. It's such a wonderful read. I'm at the last chapter right now. I still haven't finished it, but it's beautiful. It's non-fictional, and the author, Oliver Sacks, is a neurologist himself, and he, he recounts his uh, patients and what their issues were in their minds and the whole point of the book he says in the preface is that he felt that every time he read about a neurological disorder it wasn't attached to the person so it's either like by definition so what OCD is and not really attaching that to the people who have OCD so not talking about their personal experiences and he felt like that was what science was lacking it was so it was reducing the people who were dealing with these disorders to their to the mere disorders they have they would never include their personal uh, relation with this disorder how they cope with it how they felt about it and that's what Oliver Sacks does so each chapter is about a different uh, neurological disorder some some are really different others are quite similar but dealt in different ways and he really adds the personal touch because each chapter, each disorder is written and displayed as like a short story, as a little tale. And I was telling my friend about this yesterday, how the way it's written, and I really emphasize about the way something is written because it can make or break a book. He talks about it with such ease, but as well, he doesn't refrain himself from uh, getting into the specifics. So he talks about the different uh, cortexes in the brain. He also just talks about the person regardless of their disorder. For example, the man who mistook his wife for a hat is the first short story in the book. It talks about a guy who had no visual impairment, no defects in his eyes, but he had um, a few defects in his visual cortex, which was in his brain. That led him to see things in categories. And as well, he wasn't able to see the bigger picture on, on things. So when showed a painting, he would focus on little features. He wouldn't see the bigger picture. So the author, um, who was also a doctor, uh, showed him a picture of a jungle. And he would say things like a tree or a little animal. But he would never say like, oh, this picture is a jungle. So he would keep looking for certain features that made something distinctive and never looking at something as as it is. So uh, the reason he mistakes his wife for a hat is because he has trouble identifying faces and must focus on individual features in order to identify who people are. So his friend, he identifies him with the peculiar shape of his nose, for example, or his co-worker who has a mole on his right cheek. He focuses on these things and then makes out who the person is. Like the whole identification is backwards. It abstracts everything and he must focus on individual things in order to gain a bigger picture. And I'm, I'm really like talking about this story because it's such a good book. And whenever I read a good book, I just feel like I have to talk about it. <laughs> So yeah, I really recommend that one. And I just got super excited. And each different uh, chapter is about a different neurological disorder. And it's it's said beautifully. Then again, that's my opinion. People have people like different writing styles. I like a writing style that is objective and um, a bit witty. I like witty authors. I like it when they make jokes and in a very smart way. And Oliver does that a lot. So that was a nonfiction that that sort of bridges tales and plot points but 
only talking about real life, but it's just the way it's written that it makes it reads like a fictional story. So yeah, before I get into more of the fictional books I've read, I wanted to just say that I see, especially on TikTok, I'm on BookTok, I, every time there's like um, a book recommendation video, I always just save it to my favorites, and there's just about, I think, over 200 books in my like want to read on Goodreads. Goodreads is like a really cool app where you can just put your books in sponsor me goodreads please <laughs> you can put the books that you've read and the books you want to read the books you're currently reading and you can review them see other people's reviews so on and so on it's owned by amazon though so we don't like that but until there's an alternative goodreads it is but i also on book talk there's so many people that say um how they feel like they have a superiority complex whenever they're reading like especially in public spaces i remember there was this one tiktok where <laughs> this guy he was in uh, like a train or something and he was reading and he was like oh when you're reading and everyone's on their phone and then the audio was like am i better than everyone like hello that's literally however i feel like everyone who reads feels that way but like they can't help it because there's just this narrative about yeah book good phone bad it's so funny because you're just like reading because you want to read and that's it but then you can't help but think am i better than everyone but it's it's so terrible but it's so true like everyone who reads can relate to this i know because i've talked to other readers and they're like oh i don't want to feel like that but you can't help it because yeah because of the whole narrative of just yeah phone bad book good yeah i i just think it's funny how there's a superiority complex attached to reading because you can read on your phone, you can read on another technological device, you can read on a screen. It really doesn't matter. Um, it's just the fact that it's like not a phone. I think that's what um, that's why there's a superiority complex. The fact that it's like a tangible thing. You flip through the pages, and it's it's so it's such an interaction. You're not just scrolling. Which actually is one other reason why I really, really like the idea of reading physical books. I've really been wanting to buy an e-reader for a while. It's called Kobo, I think. And it's super cool, but it's just... I love the feel of flipping through every page and just like seeing how much left I have in the book I swear it's so terrible like I'd be reading a book and then I'm just looking and I'm like checking to see how much I have left not because I want to finish it just because I don't know it's such a process and you just want to be like oh yeah I read that and I love being able to say I've read that because I can talk about it and I can express what the author had to say and I can sh sort of share that around and I think an avid book reader will also agree that it's nice to be able to talk about um, certain stories in depth and so stories that you didn't like, stories that you did. So back to the idea of like having a physical book in your hand is just I love that fact and I love that um, tangibility, the, materi the material ability, I guess, of having a book uh, in your hands and just finishing it, closing it, sitting down, reflecting, going on Goodreads, giving it a 5 out of 5 or 1 out of 5 um, if it's the age of absurdity. And um, it's just such a, such a hobby that I really like and that I really like uh, doing and um, recommending books to other people and having books being recommended to me, books that I would have never picked up in my life. And people tell me, oh, no, this was a good book. I'm like, OK, yeah, like I, I trust you. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. But with books like Fahrenheit 451 or The Bell Jar, I love those books so, so, so much that I wasn't even expecting the extent of how much I would like them. And The Bell Jar, first and foremost, is because 
It just tells a story of a young girl going through um, a depressive episode. You follow her thoughts and her, her thought process. And you can really identify with all the characters, especially the main character, Esther Greenwood. You can really identify with her. And I definitely think the way that something is written can really affect how much you, you identify with characters and how much you um, they appeal to you. Really centered on her thoughts and her identity and who she was and you can really imagine it and it was very thorough and in-depth and it was so visual that it just felt like a movie playing in your head you can really see what's happening and like i said with with uh, sylvia plath it was written in the 60s i believe it's not the way people talk nowadays so it was a bit hard for me to really um understand every single thing but it didn't give away anything from its visual aspects you could imagine the entire world the entire universe all the characters clothes they were wearing the rooms they were in the sounds they were hearing it was just so sensitive i guess like if we really want to use the correct term like all the senses were there it was just very sensitive and i liked being so immersed in that full of senses world that's also what i felt in fahrenheit 451 by ray bradbury he writes like a movie director like i don't even know what that means but it makes sense in my head because it, just of the descriptions and the, the repetitions he he makes a lot of repetitions which really emphasizes on thir certain things and and allows other things to fade in the background and because they fade in the background you forget about them but then they come back in the story and you sort of have this aha moment of oh my god it's back what's gonna happen it's set in a dystopian um society where books are illegal basically and uh, the main character is like a firefighter who has to uh, burn down these books and the firemen in these in this world they have to light these books on fire no matter the circumstances and they have to they that's their job so the main character starts to be starts becoming curious and wants to explore what books are and they've never had that so you sort of follow him and his life and how he starts just shifting away from the society he's in and it's just it's really beautiful and yeah one thing actually that i want to mention uh which is about books but it's not really about reading books it's about buying them and finding new ones and really just having them in your shelf and the whole the whole hobby that comes with having books i feel like reading of course is the main part of it but as well as telling others about it and receiving their views on the same book you read like they maybe hated a book that you didn't that you loved and it's just nice to get in these sort of conversations with others so i like the whole world that comes with um being a habitual book reader I would like to say that I haven't always been like this, by the way. Before um, the beginning of the year, I literally would never read. I've only read, um, before 2021, I only read books like 1984, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, and three others. It took me like so long to finish each and every one of those books before. And I think the thing that really kept me going, because I hear a lot of people say like, I want to read books, but I always get bored or I always, um, I always like never finish them. And what I have to say to that is, if you're like that, and you, you're, you get scared that you, you're not gonna finish it, make sure that whatever book that you're gonna read first is one that you've been waiting for and one that you're so excited about. I really recommend doing that. I did that with Sapiens. It was one of the books that I really, really wanted to read. And starting with that really gave me like the, this boost of wanting to read other books. So I, I recommend starting with a book you really wanted to read for a while. 
And also a bonus thing is just making sure there's time in your day to read or like before, whether it's before bed or in the morning. Personally, I read in the afternoon after I finish uh, studying or something like that. Yeah, that's for the people who have been struggling but really do want to read books. Like I totally get you. I was for the longest time I was I was not able to finish a single book unless it took me a whole year to do it. So I totally get it. And that's totally normal. Everyone goes through that. And um, yeah, or just get the audiobook. There's Audible, Libby, just put it in the Google Translate and um, just put it on the audio and have like some robot read it to you. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode about books, buying them, reading them, hating them, loving them, everything. Just books, books, books. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.